Hey there, everyone. Before we get started today, all through this episode, I refer to this as episode number 14 and send you to the show notes at labradorleadership.com slash 14. This is going to be episode 15. So sorry for the confusion. We just made a little change in the schedule. So this is episode 15. So uh, let's get going. Ready? Go! This is Alex Massa, and you're listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Bob Nolly. Yes, they are. Live from the RVA, this is the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Dr. Bob Nolly. The program that brings you the leadership skills that can make you the most authentic, approachable leader for the sake of your business, your team, and for you. Now, now. Here's Bob. <laughs> oh my gosh, ladies and gentlemen, if you only knew what we were just talking about before we came on the air. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Welcome to episode 14 of the Labrador Leadership Podcast. Oh, Alex, how are you, dear friend? You know, I couldn't I couldn't be better. How are you, Mr. Bob? I'm at least a B minus, so there it is. Oh, let's try to get you to an aim. Let's get you to like a, a B plus. Right? No, don't worry about me. Everybody worry about themselves. I'll take care of you. It's all good. I'm actually an A. I'm just, you know, like whining. I'm not whining. That's a bad habit. So, uh, so you know, for years, I think the first time I took this little test, I was just not enamored of it, but I went, oh, that's really cool. So every time it comes up, uh, I just, my ears kind of prick up a little bit. So, uh, in the old days, it used to be it used to be called the Myers Briggs personality test, and right. now you know the buzzword is the MBTI. Yes, the MBTI, the Myers Briggs Type Indicator, it's the MBTI. So it, it's a four letter code that you could take to tell you what kind of personality you have, and there are many tests for personality. This is one of the most noted ones, and. Uh, you know, it comes up, it measures the first letter is whether or not you're an introvert or extrovert. And then uh, the second one is uh, N or S, whether you are sensing or intuitive. And the last one, uh, or the third one is uh, uh, thinking or judging. And the last one is judgmental or perceiving. Right. No, so would, have you ever taken that? The third, one. the third one is thinking or feeling. Yeah, thank for feeling. Yeah, thank right. you. Okay. So, uh, have you taken this? Yeah, I, I've taken it a couple times. Um, you know, through communication school, they always they always want you to you basically take it once a once a semester, once a year. So I've taken it probably six or seven times, and I always get the same answer. Um, and I think it's it's pretty it's pretty dead on, honestly. Uh, I always get ENTP, which is extroversion, intuition, thinking, and perceiving. So what is it? Do you ever spend any time looking at that P? What does that mean at the end? Perceiving? I mean, you know, I think probably because of my intense fascination with communication, I I tend to like always keep things on the, I try to keep things more open-ended when it comes to um, a structure of how something is. So instead of saying, oh, it's this way, I'm saying, oh, well, it could be this way or this could be this way. You know, it depends on how the person perceives it. So I honestly, I mean, I think that one's pretty dead on. Um, and, you know, I don't know if I'm, if I even pegged that correctly, but that's, that's, that's the way I perceive um, my, my score of being the perceiving uh, structure. 
I'll, uh, I, you know, I'll put a link to this test in the show notes. Uh, and this is, you know, this is episode labradorleadership.com slash 14. It's such helping, really. I think it's, it's a good, it's a good tool for anyone to use. I mean, even if you don't feel that it's correct, it's always kind of cool to see, you know, what, what, uh, category you'd fall into. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you, if you go out looking for it and don't use the link, I'm going to leave for you. There's one that just has like a very few questions, like maybe a dozen. That's not it. Need the one that's like 70 or 80 questions. Oh yeah. It's time consuming. Yeah. And and it's good. And it does, it does change, but not a whole lot because you just mentioned yours has changed. No, mine was always the same. Always, really. All right, mine, mine changed. Mine changed when I left over time. It left when I left the corporate world and moved into academia for a little bit. It it, it changed then. And uh, the thing that the one that gets me the most. All right, you're a P at the end. Right. They normalize the scores for each letter anywhere from zero to a hundred, mm-hmm. and I am a ninety nine plus, pin to the right J. Really? Now to, to think that you're. You know, to say I'm a very judgmental person that that's not what it says. Yeah, right. I think that kind of nature comes. We've already talked about this about interviewing. We were talking about interviewing, and I said, "What's the perfect job?" You know, mine was always I wanted to be a baseball umpire. I think it comes from that. You know, because you want to make the call and walk away from it. You know, <laughs> I think that's where the J shows up there. Absolutely. But yeah. ninety nine to be a ninety nine J is like uh, I think when I took it again, I was like a ninety five J, which made me feel a whole lot better about right. being in the J community. And you're a to-do list person. Am I, am I right? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. See, so that's the thing is that those J's they're usually, they're task oriented and they really, they like to get all of their work done. So they have these to-do lists and then it's party time, which, you know, <laughs> I actually feel Bob, that might, that might kind of, that might fit. That might fit. <laughs> if we ever have a live event, you know, I just, you know, wow. I just can't wait. Well, you know, don't, if we have, don't we have, really realize how much of a, a to-do list partner uh, <laughs> you are. You know? Yeah, you're an event planner. You see, you, <laughs> Alex, arrange a dinner for a hundred. Right. <laughs> Here's the black Amex. Okay, uh, but Great. it's the other end of the string of letters that I wanted to point out because E and I, you know, that's very accessible for everybody to go. I'm, I'm really not an extrovert. You know, I'm kind of shy. You know, that's not quite what those letters mean. It's not how you appear to others. It's what you do to recharge yourself. Absolutely. If you're an E, you would rather be socially out with a group of people. That doesn't mean, you know, out on the streets with your hair on fire, but you know, you'd rather be in a social situation mm-hmm. where an I says you, to some degree, you may be more comfortable curling up with a good book and the dog or something like that. And on Friday when work's over, what do we do? Yes, that's it. You know, well, we personally, you and I, we're, uh, (laughs) well, well, here's the joke. Here's the joke now. Uh, my entire life, well, I've just, you know, confessed to, to all of our listeners here now that I'm a J pen to the right. My entire life, all of my colleagues, even my closest friends have said, I'm an E pen to the right. I mean, here I am on the radio for crying out loud. He must yeah. be an E. I am an E. I'm an ENFJ. I am a borderline E. Yeah. My E number is like three. Huh. Whereas my J was 99. So I, I could see it. I still have that preference, but I could easily be an I. It hasn't ever changed. I've never crossed over to the dark side, but I could easily be an I. 
I love that we called it the dark side. You know, I, I think that um, that that reflection and then, um, in, you know, really kind of taking the time to plan and that kind of thing. I mean, you, you know, with the with the to do list, you know, you could see that on on either spectrum and both the extroverts and the introverts, you know, that reflection and then kind of taking the time to plan rather than moving into action quickly is, um, you know, is. I don't want to say it's very similar, but it is kind of in the same realm. You know, you can see that slight deviation there um, in that aspect of both the extroversion and the introversion. Whereas, you know, the extroverts are, um, you know, they're more people, people, they're more people. You can't even say people person. They're more of a people person, I suppose. Um, and they're more comfortable in working in groups and, and that kind of thing. Whereas introverts may work well in groups but it's just that they kind of take that extra planning time. Um, and, you know, maybe there's a little bit more of a internal um, planning rather than the external reflecting, you know, bouncing it off of others. Yeah, that's, that's important. And, you know, here's here. Now we're going to circle up. Finally says everyone to uh, <laughs> the leadership point of the day is uh, lots of companies, and even in you know small businesses may test somehow either using the MBTI or something similar and come up with something that measures this E versus I trait and leaders and managers that are driven to results slash task oriented they're looking for E people they're more comfortable with E, e people and you may be missing the boat if you do that. A couple of years ago, uh, this author named Susan Kane had a book out that made a little bit of a splash called Quiet. There's a big red Q on the front. Quiet, the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking. And she went through a bunch of research on that. And it very nicely addressed, you know, if introverts stood up and cheered, if they ever did that, they would have done it then when she published this book. But of course, they didn't make a peep. But... Uh, <laughs> Except to themselves. So uh, you got, you've just got to understand the nature of the introverts. And uh, I have an article by Marin Hogan. And, oh, ladies and gentlemen, Marin Hogan's going to be on the program here in a couple of weeks. So uh, stay tuned for that. Talking about making sure you empower introverts properly in the workplace. And uh, in Susan Cain's book, that actually Marin writes about here. She talks about a classic problem that is used in, uh, in the Harvard business school where, uh, there are, it's the problem when you have a team of 10 people and you give them a list of 20 things. And that's the only 20 things they have and they're stranded. And you ask them to come up with a plan for survival. And, people come up with different bunches of things and they kind of observe who speaks first and who gets the group in order and who comes up with the plan and who looks at alternatives. But so often it's the quiet person that sits in the back that knows that you need this one item to help you get water from the trunk of a tree or start a fire with a glint of sunlight. You know, it's that person that you need. Otherwise, the whole team's going to go, you know, down the gully washer or something like that. And an important 
important part about especially that um, particular exercise, because I've, again, done it in probably every communications course I've ever had to go through. Um, you know, it really is uh, the person that kind of sits back and listens and kind of uh, take stock of what all of the people are yelling about. We need this, number one, this, number two, um, and the different order that they would put things in. And they are the ones that are able to sit back, take stock of all of the yelling extroverts, if you will, and kind of make this cohesive plan because they're the only ones not yelling. Yeah. And, and you know, that's, that's important because today – if you are not in a virtual environment, but if you're in an office environment, everybody doesn't have, you know, an office anymore. Oh, my God, that would be just way too expensive. Right. In the past, people did. And even when cube farms think office space, you know, was the was the floor plan du jour, you know, that served the same purpose generally. But now, in the spirit of collaboration and also doing it more cheaply, there's the open office environment where people just find a chair at a table and open their laptop and get to work. And, uh, they want to, you know, they want to encourage people to be creative, but that just kills the introverts. Absolutely. Now, and I've actually, um, I've been in some of the spaces in New York where there, there are these large, um, green spaces and, I don't mean that they're, I mean, they are environmentally friendly, but what they are is there are a bunch of offices that kind of are in this large space. So you have all these different organizations and you have these big collaborative spaces. And so you'll have um, a director of one company working with an associate next to another company and they're kind of talking back and forth and bouncing ideas off each other. There's um, an event planning business and a face-to-face mar -face marketing business all in the same space. And so the problem there is that those people that really need that quiet space, they don't get it. And so it, it kind of not cheapens their, their work or their, their experience in the office every day. But, you know, whereas you and I might love that, where we could bounce the ideas off of someone in another industry, say, hey, what, what would be your take on this? If we were going to do this, what would you think? You know, the, you have those people that really need to be um, kind of not contained, but they need to be kind of among their own um, headspace and in their own realm of, well, this is what we do, you know, and, and all of my colleagues, we do the same thing. And we sit in a circle and we can bounce ideas off of each other because we're all in the same, you know, industry and we're all in the same company and we all have kind of the same uh, wavelength, if you will. Yeah. Got it. Got it. You know, in the, in the Q book, the quiet book, Susan Kane. She writes about the open offices. Uh, they want the friendlier environment these organizations do, but uh, they don't always get that done because the the stimulation is just overwhelming. Yeah. For the introverts, I went and, to space. They can't. They can't find the piece of quiet they need to <laughs> to be productive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I went to I went to one office and and they had beer on tap. <laughs> Every day, you mean like at Monday every, morning every, at eleven or every day? Oh, they just have beer on tap in the communal kitchen. Wow! I almost took that job, <laughs> and, there, and we'd be writing a different story today. <laughs> yes, yeah, but I didn't. I didn't. I I couldn't sit around with beer all day. Also, it wasn't the right job for me. But you know, yeah. uh, you know, I'm just saying it's it's these open offices that can they can kind of hinder the introverts because. 
they're kind of bothered by the fact that, you know, you have a bunch of guys that, um, one of the companies in there, the real rowdy ones in that office space were the, uh, they organized different sports leagues and marketed different sports leagues, um, like, like intramural sports. And they were just slamming beers. And it, I mean, they were having a great time, but I couldn't slam beers with the intramural sports guys all day. Yeah, that's tough. I've, I've left those days behind too. <laughs> and, you know, the Susan also wrote that something else is a kind of paradox here. Uh, in addition to these big open office plans, you know, appearing the eyes from concentrating, they actually prevent people from forming close friendships. And you go, that's not right. Of course you can. It's wide open. But the deal is this. If you're in a big open office, you know, and you're, you're always overheard, you're never going to have those quiet, intimate conversations with a person sitting right next to you which is like the grain of sand that a, a deeper relationship, you know, starts with. So that's kind of interesting. So everybody just has these moderate relationships overall. That's yeah. kind of interesting. I always go to, you know, I, I always want the relationship, uh, you know, with my, with my colleagues or my coworkers or my, my supervisors. And I, I don't know that, you know, in, in those large open spaces, if you would, yeah, you're right. You, you couldn't ever get close. You couldn't say, oh, yeah, well, you know, let me tell you about my personal issues because you have the CEO of another company or your own CEO and they're right there with you. They're, you know, they, they're not going to judge you, but you don't want to say these things in front of your bosses and that yeah, kind of that's it. That's it. Uh, all right. So let's look at it from the eye perspective. So let's say the eyes want you to just lock them away and leave them alone and uh, let them be productive mm -hmm. all the time. You know, put them in the small cubicle area and just leave them alone and they'll be happy and make, you know, you can't do that. You can't leave them there a hundred percent of the time because here's the dynamic you want. If you're in a project and you're in a work group, the ease They'll start strong in the beginning because they work well with other people and the teams together and they'll start laying out the infrastructure and they'll lead the norming that goes on in the group and the introverts, you know, they're not as concerned with that. So what are they going to do? They're going to start doing the work. They're the ones that are going to, you know, do the early production while everybody else is, doing the schmooze and, you know, deciding who's going to lead what and setting up the framework and the rules, and the norms. These guys are doing the work to get everyone off to a good start. And I've seen it happen many times. What? You've done that already? This is great. And, you know, that person hasn't even uttered a peep. And, like and you, Go ahead. I said, like me. No. <laughs> I finally didn't interrupt you. I, was, I did not repeat. <laughs> you, uh, you know, if we were if we were doing real radio here, we'd be looking at each other through a glass window, and you'd be raising your hand. And <laughs> <laughs> I have one. I have one. <laughs> yes, you in the corner. So the important thing is just making sure the introverts get heard. You know, they don't feel like speaking out in crowds, but you need to let that person with the with the big piece to the puzzle or the important piece to the puzzle is what I meant to say. You, you need know, to let them speak up. 
And it's hard to give, it, it's, it's always hard to create that forum, you know, because even if you're in a meeting and you have 10 people there, you know that that one really quiet person has sat back, watched, sponged everything in, and they, you know, you can see it in their eyes that they have an idea. And it's, it's hard because you don't want to pull it out of them. You don't want to make them feel more uncomfortable by saying, hey, what do you think about this? But, it, you know, it ends up being, um, you know, it, it ends up being a really fine line, whereas you're, you know, you don't want to pull for information. You don't want to fish for information on these people. But, you know, sometimes the introverts are your best bets because they are the ones that are, you know, sitting back being very, very um, kind of in tune with their surroundings. And they some, often they're the ones that kind of catch the, the bigger meaning. So, which of these two, which of these two do you think would be the better top guy, the better CEO, the introvert or the extrovert? All other things being equal, there's a great disqualifier right there. All other things being equal, which one do you think a CEO is more likely to be an introvert or an extrovert? Well, you know, it really would be. It would come down to how comfortable an introvert was with being that figurehead. You know, if they could for their for their, you know, time at work and work functions, if they could take themselves out of being that, you know, very reserved person, you know, you'd have to remember to kind of look people in the eyes when you're speaking to them. You would have to remember to, you know, kind of um, shake hands and kiss babies when, when it wouldn't be your first nature. So I don't think that, I don't think that an extrovert would te- would technically be a better CEO. Um, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of CEOs that, are introverts, but it really is kind of taking yourself out of that own element. And that's kind of what the judging factor would come down to is if you were comfortable taking yourself out of that. Susan wrote this in her book. This is a quote. There was one CEO who had to remind himself when walking down the hallway to make eye contact and greet people because his inclination was to walk lost in thought, solving some problem, you know, looking smart, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't looking smart. The people around him thought he was being aloof and dismissive of them. Well, that's a landmine he can't afford to step on. Yeah, and it's not it's not comforting to um, to kind of have a, you know a CEO or, or a boss of any kind that you feel that you can't uh, approach. Yeah, you can't approach approachable. Is, uh, and is there's that word again. We started episode zero, approachable. You and I love this word. Yeah. <laughs> we love the word approachable because it really is what it comes down to in leadership. You have to be able to be accessible. And I, I think that that word access or uh, to access someone or, or to be accessible is uh, incredibly important. Yeah. All right. Here's the final stroke on the leadership take. We're the E's. Do you know the best bosses for us? Our eyes. The eyes are better managers for extroverts. I can recognize that. Yeah, because they're quiet enough to let the ease give them the bandwidth. But that manager, if you're an eye manager, you've got to be smart enough to realize the give and take that's involved. I, I do agree. I, I think that, um, you know, a lot of times those, those extroverts kind of to be in that, that middle realm. Um, you know, I think if I have a more reserved boss, 
I'm going to be a more reserved employee because my boss isn't going wild and, and being boisterous. And you kind of take that lead, um, you know, from them. Yeah, it's perfect. That's well said. Well said. Okay, you know, here's one thing I'm left with here. This is a lot to think about. And lots of research has been done on this. And we're not going to roll through this in, you know, less than half an hour. But I, I don't want to leave everybody feeling that we've put a big ear and eye on everybody's back. And everybody, all right, go out and act accordingly. But it is a piece of the puzzle for, here I'm going to drop the big word again, speaking of EI, of emotional intelligence, and recognizing those characteristics in others and altering your own behavior with them, not for the sake of being anything less than authentic, but for the sake of having the most productive conversation with them. You know, when we when we get to this, the, the whole recognition, being able to recognize who's the E and who's the I, and generally what their preferences are, is is a key success factor, I think. And I can't wait till we get to that topic. <laughs> hey, this has been a good one. This has been yeah, a good like one. one. I mean, I, so I'm I'm just like the little lowercase E. You're the super E. I am the super E. I apologize to everyone, you know, yelling into their. Uh into their earbuds or their, their Apple computer. You know, I, <laughs> hey, I, that ship has sailed. You know, they're, they know us now that that's, that's done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the big E. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm just the lowercase E. Well, I'm the big J. Listen to me. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. You're yeah. not the big E. You know. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up for episode 14 of the Labrador leadership podcast. We will see you next time. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. For the sake of all the special people in your life that deserve you to be the best leader you can be. Connect with us on our website at labradorleadership.com, on Facebook at Labrador Leadership, and on Twitter at Lab Leadership. Now, here's a final thought from Bob. Whether you're an E or whether you're an I, just take care of one another in the workplace, respect everybody's attitudes and needs, for the sake of yourself, for the sake of the organization you're in. Have a great week, everybody.